Goodness gracious. Kids say the darndest things. And uh, man, if, you're, if one of your children were on that screen today, and if you're the one watching TikTok too much, you might, well, no, I'm just teasing. I love the one where it says, what's your mom's favorite thing to do? Grocery shopping. That's what she loves because she does it all the time. Just, she must love it, you know. But uh, I'm glad you chose to be here. I know Mother's Day is a special day. It's also a time that can be difficult um, for all the ladies in the room. I just want to say a special um, happy Mother's Day, and uh, we're so excited to celebrate you today. Uh, on your way out, be sure to take a photograph with your family at the photo booth, and uh, all the ladies in, in the building have uh, free cupcakes today, which is pretty awesome. Now, us guys, I hear a guy shouting free cupcakes. <laughs> Did you not understand the gender issue that we just had there? This is females get the cupcake. And so now if your mom wants to get you the cupcake and hand it to you, you have to eat it in the car. You can't eat it in the building because then we'll know, you know what I mean? So, but uh, I'm excited uh, to celebrate today. We, we had a fun way of celebrating Mother's Day at our house. Um, <laughs> my daughter's laughing. She already knows what I'm going to say. Uh, we took my wife for chemotherapy on Friday. And then my son also, my firstborn child moved out this weekend. Isn't that a great Mother's Day gift? Yeah, so um, so my son is the big the, the, the you're like that's that's shame. it's a shameful it's shameful son that <laughs> you would choose to move out on this weekend. But uh, I'm very proud of my boy and all that God's doing in his life, and I'm excited for this chapter in his life. But it is it has been hard. Uh, I gave him furniture that belonged to us, and so our entire living room is now empty, uh, including my my, recli- my recliner, Dad's recliner. I went, to, I went to his apartment yesterday, somebody else was sitting in my recliner. It was like, it was just, it was very sad, but, uh, but Father's Day's coming, so Lord willing, you know, but uh, hint, hint to the family, but uh, I'm glad you came today. Um, you know, despite all, all of what our family's going through, through the uh, cancer treatment, there's something I, I want to kind of talk about today that is... Um, hopefully be very encouraging to you, helpful to you. Um, and that has to do with how, uh, how God is with us in the hills and in the valleys. We know those mountaintop experiences. We all have a few in our life that we'd say, man, man, it's just the best season of our life. But we also know what it's like to go through difficult circumstances and hard circumstances, things that happen to us, things that sometimes blindside us. They hit us like a freight train or a ton of bricks that can come into our life. And so today I want to talk a little bit about that because as I walk through my wife, I walk with my wife through this journey, um, my heart is continually blessed by her, but it's also, I'm challenged in my spirit because she's experiencing some things. And I know everyone in my family would tell you the same thing. We're watching my bride find incredible hope and peace and comfort in the arms of Jesus through no doubt the biggest and challenging storm that we've ever been through as a family, but her individually because it's happening to her through the cancer. But as, as uh, if you would spend time with her or you would ever pay attention to a message that she spoke or uh, um, uh, uh, one of her uh, posts on Instagram, you'll see a common thread, and that is that she just has an incredible hope and peace knowing that God is with her in the midst of this struggle and that God is fighting for her in the midst of this struggle. And it just blows us away because she has a peace that she's discovered. And she's told me on many occasions, and I know that she's told many of you, that, that un, uh, although this has been an unfortunate valley, uh, it has led her to a beautiful place with God. 
And, and when she and I talk about it, I mean, she'll just choke up saying, when this is over, when God's rescued me through this cancer, I just pray that I never lose the ability to stay connected to him at the place that he's brought me today. Isn't it interesting how valleys do that to us? Uh, for the Christians in the room, you probably will be able to recognize that, is that there's just certain times in your life that you go through a, a, an incredible hardship, but it does seem to somehow bring you to a place of closeness to God, that, that your, your hill experiences, your peaks experiences, your valleys experiences have, have no ability to access that level of place. And, so, and, and I've sat down with many of you who've said the same thing that my wife says, is that Man, when this is over, I just pray don't ever go back because of what God took me to and what he brought me to and what he's doing in me. Um, it's just so powerful. And so um, this morning, I want to talk to you a, a little bit about the valleys, but also talk to you about how to solve the problem is when the valley is over, what other places in our lives can God intersect at that level to keep us close to him? Because I know that when, when it's over, uh, and if maybe you're going through a valley today, maybe you've been through a valley, maybe in your life, but... But um, when it's over, we want to make sure that we still maintain that level of closeness. Now, full transparency, what I'm going to share with you today, um, man, I wish it was somebody else who could communicate it. Because as much as I know God's word to be true, and I know that the promises are true, and as much as I know from a professional level as a pastor who's counseled with many of you and walked alongside many people over 20 years of ministry, I have incredible confidence in the faithfulness of God, that he is on the throne and that he knows exactly what's going on in my life and in your life, and that his promises are true and that his comfort is real and that his peace is real and it's attainable to all of us. But if I got to be honest, as I watch my wife, she's just, she's just, it's beautiful to watch what God's doing in her, but there's a jealousy inside my heart because I vacillate so much between experiencing that peace from God to experiencing just fear, frustration, anger, and all those things. And so if you would permit me today just to be transparent in this place, um, if I can't be transparent with the body of people that God has placed underneath my leadership for this season of my life, then you, don't, I, I, you, need, a, you, need, you need me to do this because I need you to know that I'm a person too. And the reason that I need to be transparent with you is because, hey, I don't want to stand up here and lie that I've got it all figured out. I know how to solve it. It's just there's a gap between sometimes knowing what to do and who to run to and how it feels. Can you relate to that? Sometimes there's just a gap. And it doesn't mean that God's word is not accurate or helpful um, or is full of platitudes of just nice things to do, like don't worry and have peace. Like that doesn't help sometimes, right? God's word is true and it has the power to change our lives, but it has the power to minister to our lives. But sometimes that gap is really hard to find and I'm kind of stuck right now vacillating between that, you know. I'm a, I'm a real person and uh, I'm not a superstar. I'm not a super Christian. I just happen to be the one that God's allowed to stand up here and to share with you. And I pray that somehow through that transparency, you'd be able to connect with me. But most importantly, it would help you to connect with God. So this morning, I want to talk about how we can look back on our faith and look forward in our faith and be able to get through those circumstances. So the question I want to ask you today is, it's a rhetorical question, but it's not a question I want you to speed bump past. And that is this question, talking to the believers in the room, those that have a faith and a relationship with Jesus Christ, those that are listening to the sound of my voice online and understand what it means to have that relationship. I want you to look back on your faith just for a moment. And I want you to look back over a time, it may be painful to do, 
over the time where you went through some type of valley, but you saw God be faithful in that valley. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to have an anchored moment. Many of you won't have to think hard because maybe it's happening right now. Some of you have dealt with it in the past. Some of it is connected to a person that's no longer here and that's still painful. And you've been through a valley of grief and depression that have associated with that. But many of us have experienced a time or a season in our life where we have gone through what we would call the darkest night of the soul or a hardship or grief. And we've suffered to an extent that for any human expression, it would be unbearable. And you don't even want You don't wish this on your worst enemy of what maybe you've been through. You've been thrust into something or a terrible time in your life. But somehow, for those believers in the room, as much as it is is a, uh, a memory that you can't shake, there is something else that is beautiful in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the crisis, and it's God's presence. We can look back at our faith, and we can't deny that God was with us, can we? We can't deny it. He was there. He's what sustained you. He is what got you through. And, and I know that even for you know, me and my, my kids and my, my extended family is that we are going to vacillate sometimes between how we feel, but we know that God is with us, and I know that God is with you. I'll write this down in your message notes somewhere. God is completely aware of what it is that you're going through in your life. He is not asleep at the wheel. He has not abandoned you. And he's completely aware. That is an important thing to understand, whether you believe it in your heart or not, and whether you're trying to reconcile it or not, or angry at the fact that he knows it hasn't stepped in. You have to know that God is completely aware, and he's walking through you in the midst of the storm. It's in the midst of those storms and along those rocky roads that God brings you to a beautiful place. And that beautiful place is when he feels near and when he feels close and when you feel like he's ministering to your heart. It's what we crave. It's what we desire. It's in those places in your past that you can think about those moments that you knew God. Not only were you clinging to God, but somehow he was holding on to you even stronger than what you were, had the ability in your own strength to cling on to him. What a powerful thing for us to understand. Psalms thirty-four, eighteen. King David would write an incredible verse that many of you have memorized and and it ministers to your heart because you know this is true about God in all circumstances. It says, For the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So I don't know if you are currently going through a valley in your life, but trust, trust and know that God is with you and he's understanding And whether you get a full grasp of how this all works or not, you can trust verses like this to say the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And if you can look back in your faith, you will see, although you may not see it now, you will see looking back in your faith that absolutely God was with me and he walked with me through that journey. And now I know he will walk through me with me through this journey. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Does that describe you? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Does that describe you? I pray today that you would look for God's involvement and interaction in your life, and may it be a comfort to you and a peace in a time of crisis. Time and time again, over my life, I have seen this verse to be true, and it's that past faithfulness of God that is what I hold on to, even when in my own mind, I have a hard time wrestling with it. It's not easy to have that level of connection, but the prescription is 
almost so simple. If you and I want to feel close to the Lord, He's close to you when you're brokenhearted, but if you want to feel close, you have to abide with Him, and you have to remain in Him. And this is where, from a human standpoint, it's very hard to do. Abiding and remaining when you're grieving and you're struggling and you're trying to process and you're praying big prayers and you can, you can feel like you're just kind of like a ricochet pinball going around in a machine and you're doing all the right things, but you just kind of wonder, how long can I do this before the ball goes down the drain? You know, it's that kind of that feeling, you know? And so abiding is not easy, but it is the prescription for us to spend time with God and continue to run to Him. And it takes an energy and an effort that sometimes we can get ourselves kind of jacked up and we don't have, we don't have the... We have the desire, but not the heart. We don't have the energy sometimes to put it into if you're going through a valley or a storm. Again, I'm preaching to you as I'm preaching to myself because these are the things that I have to deal with as we walk through this. But God's word tells us in Isaiah chapter 43, something that we need to memorize and take heart and place into our hearts, minds. Turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 43 as we take comfort in these words and apply them to our life. It says, when you go through the deep waters, what does God say? I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Isaiah 43, turn there. I hear, still hear pages turning. I want to read it to you again. Isaiah 43, 2. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you won't be burned up, and the flames will not consume you. Man, underline those promises. That's the Lord himself drawing close to us. King David would write to us, turn now back to Psalms 124. This is a verse that God gave my bride while we were away, and a couple, a couple weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, I guess, for my birthday, we went away. And um, she took some time just to meet with God that morning. And then out of her overflow, she comes to me and says, I've got to share with you these verses. And we've chewed on them. And, and since then, I've, I've brought this, ver- this passage to my staff. And we've walked through this. I've taken it to our executive leadership committee, even on Monday night. And now I feel like God wants me to bring it to you. Do you see how the benefit of one person's Bible study shared has this cascading this concentric circle effect, right? And so my wife shares this with me. We talk about it together, and I share it with everyone even here today. But it's eight verses. The chapter's short, but listen to what it says, and I want you to process this. It starts off with a question that I think every one of us can resonate and focus on. It says, what if the Lord had not been on our side? Think about that. What if God, talking to you, Christian, what if in your circumstances that you've been through in life, what if God didn't show up? What if he wasn't close? What if he wasn't on our side Where would we be today? King David writes this passage and he says, What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let everyone in Israel repeat this statement. What if the Lord had not been on our side when the people attacked us? What would have happened? They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us and a torrent would have overwhelmed us, referring to the the children of Israel in the Red Sea and other moments that David had been involved in. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He he didn't let their teeth tear us apart. 
We escaped like, like a bird from like a hunter's trap. The trap's broken and we are free. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Our help is from the Lord, the one who made heavens and the earth. Wow, what a beautiful promise is that. And so now I want to stop you again and I want you to answer that question. In the context of your life, ask the question to yourself, what if God wasn't on my side? What if he wasn't on our side? What if God didn't show up? And I want you to anchor a personal story. If you have a message guide notes today, or you're using the YouVersion app, or you just have a piece of paper, or you're going to write it on your hand, wherever you're going to put this message, I want you to jot down, at least think about, if God hadn't been on our side, if God hadn't showed up, what in the world would have happened? How would the outcome be different than it was today? And so I jotted a few of these things down myself that maybe these would be things that you would say. Maybe your story is even more specific. But for the sake of us trying to find common ground, here's a few scenarios. If the Lord had not been on my side, well, my marriage would have ended. It would have completely been over if God hadn't rescued us. Does that tell your story potentially? If the Lord hadn't been on my side, well, we would have lost our house back in that season when that happened. We would have lost everything. If the Lord hadn't been on my side, well, I never would have met my bride. If the Lord hadn't been on my side, well, maybe you'd say I would have died in that accident. If the Lord hadn't been on my side, I'd still be addicted. I'd still be living in the chains of that addiction. If the Lord wasn't on my side and hadn't been there for me, well, the disease would have just taken my life. But I'm still here. If the Lord hadn't been on my side, I would, have been, I would have been buried and crushed, lost my job under the weight of depression is what would have happened. I would have committed suicide if it hadn't been for God being on my side in the midst of my dark valley, in the darkest night of the soul. If the Lord hadn't been on my side, I would have died on the operating table. I would have dropped out of high school. I never would have graduated. If the Lord hadn't been on our side, I never would have had a child to call my own. God has a way of solving problems. And God has a way of coming close to us even in the midst of hardship. And I'm telling you, He knows exactly what you're facing today. And I promise you that if right now one of these things I've said is actively problematic in your life, you can trust with 100% confidence that God is close to you and God is still working and he is not asleep at the wheel. He is fully active and aware. And if you will leverage the valley that you're in and abide with him, even when your brain doesn't want you to, and you feel like me, where you vacillate back and forth with these great moments with God, and then you feel like freaked out sometimes, and you go back and forth. Listen, that is human nature, and it is natural, but it is what Christians will do, is that Christians understand the source of their strength. Christians will understand how we get through the battle, and even though we try and we fail, it is not a disgrace. We simply just go back to God, and we start again, and we abide. If you're dealing with something in your life and you need God to do a miracle in some big, powerful way, trust that he is aware and keep leaning in and praying and informing your faith, informing your mind 
when it wants to wage war against what God's Word says. Is that easy? No. Is that a prescription? Yes. And I pray that you and I would all apply that to our life. So the next question, though, is this. And I've said at the beginning of this message is that most of us in the valley, we experience God and we love what it, we hated the moment. We hate what we went through, but we love where it brought us with God. Eventually, that's our goal is to experience God at that level in the middle of the valley. So that's awesome. But most of us fear that once the valley's over and once the hardship's over, we'll return back to our own tendencies and leave God in the valley. (laughs) But God is the God of the hills and the valleys. He's there in the great moments, but he's also there in the, the hard moments. And the valleys can be beautiful places too. It says in Psalms 23, 4, that even though I walk through the, the, the darkest valley, I'm not going to be afraid because you're with me, right? It says also in Psalms 104, 10, that, that God makes springs gush forth in the valleys and they flow between the hills. And so even though you're in the valley, God is providing for you. He's providing streams that are gushing out of the valleys. How beautiful is that he is the God of the hills and valleys. So how do we stay close to him when we get out of those valleys and we spend time in those peaks and those hills and those mountain moments? And so I want to share with you three things. And I want, we've already talked in depth about one, and I want to touch on two, and, and, then, um, and I think this will be helpful to you. So draw a, rec, uh, a triangle on uh, your message notes or on your journal or on your hand, for those that, you know, my, my kids, my teenagers always have marks all over their hands. They like take notes. I actually did that this week. It was helpful. So, you know, even us old guys can draw in our hands. Thanks, girls. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so as I want you to draw a triangle on your paper. It doesn't matter how your artistic skills are. But at the bottom of that triangle, I want you to write down to us. These are things that happened to us. These are the valleys. You had no control over it. It's happened to you, okay? And we've just talked about that. Valleys are those things that, I mean, a lot of times they just happen to us. Sometimes it's a consequence, but it's happening to us, and we can't escape the fact that it seems like I'm the only one going through this. And so it feels like very personal, and it's the valley. We talked about how we deal with that, is that we abide in Christ and all those pieces that I just mentioned that I don't want to preach to you again. So that's the, the bottom, is that we hit that bottom of, the, of that triangle. It's things that happen to us. Now, on, on, the, on the right side of the triangle, I want you to write the word in us. These are things that are happening in us. God does certain things in us, and when God's at work in us, we can actually feel close to God. And so let's talk about that just for a moment, things that are happening in us. What happens in us that draws us close to God? Well, Here's what it is that will actually make you feel like God is working in your life. When the God of the universe is doing work in you that is transforming you, changing you, sanctifying you, sculpting you, chiseling you, carving things out of your life, building you up in certain places. As we sang, I want to build my life upon all these things. When God is working in your life and he's doing things in us, We know that the God of the universe is completely actively involved in my life, and it makes me feel close to him. 
This is what Christians would call spiritual growth. If you say, I really feel like I'm growing with God right now, you know what would, would be the bottom line of what that says? It's either you're going through a valley and God's met you in the valley and you just feel his presence. That's one way. But most of us, when we say, man, I really feel like God's growing in my life, it means that his word is intersecting with my life and it's changing me. Sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's fun, and sometimes it's kind of like, whew, I don't know, I don't know how this is all going to work out. But, the, but God himself, through the power of his word and the time that you spend with God, when it's interacting with your life, you feel like you're growing. And that's a great feeling. And so we don't always have to wait for the valleys and those experiences to feel like I'm close to God. Sometimes I just need to be looking in it, over in what's in my hands. What is it that God wants to change that some I'm ready to give to him and others I don't want to give to him. But there is a key to us finding that space and that is surrender. Surrendering to say, Lord, I don't know what it is that you want to work on next. I would love if you would work on one of these five things that really bring me pain in my life. I would prefer that we don't mess with what's in hand number two, because I kind of like all of this. But we take both of those hands, the open hand and the closed hand, and we surrender to God and we say, oh boy, I don't know what you want to do, but let's get to work. And I'm telling you what, you'll feel like you're growing and it's exciting, even when it's hard. You see, most of the time when you and I connect with God, it's because it's found through a gateway of doing what's difficult. Oftentimes what it is that you want the most comes through doing something that you dread. And it's hard. I don't want to go through valleys to get close to God, but man, I love what it brings me and where it will bring me. I don't want God to chisel away certain things in my life, but I love what's going to come and the output from that. You follow me? You tracking and the third leg of that triangle, you should have two blanks, two sides filled out. The third side is things that happen through us. So the first one is stuff that's happening to us. The right side is things that are happening in us, the transformation that God's doing, the work that he's doing in us. And the other side is what he's doing through us. Here's what's interesting about the work that God is doing in you. It is seasonal. What do I mean by that? When God does a work, here's what he does. Here's what he does in my life, much like I would parent my kids, is that God will usually do a big work in my life, followed by give me a little break. He's in there working, 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 working. And then once we've crossed that finish line, he's like, all right, why don't you heal from that? Why don't you receive that? Why don't you just kind of add that to your life? Before, it, it's very rare does God go, okay, so that's done. All right, next. You know, he doesn't just jump to next. Much like when I'm talking to my, my, my kids, man, you know, this has been an interesting season for my son and I because I had these last windows of opportunities that he's in my home where I could have just like spoken truth in him. And I've been kind of hard on him over this last couple months because I'm like, dude, my time is running out. So you don't forget and don't you do and don't you blah, 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 you know, all these things. But, even, but as my, all my kids were growing up, there's areas that I've wanted to work in their life, but I understand also they have, a, they have a threshold of what they can do. You know what? God knows that same thing about you. Isn't that cool? That God loves you so much, and he doesn't want to leave you the way you are. He wants you to be more like him, but he's got some work to do in you, and some of you are a disastrous wreck. <laughs> I'm sorry I made eye contact with you over there, but it wasn't personal. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's embarrassing, isn't it? Some of us are just a disaster. And so God, man, I just did it again. Sorry about that, Zach. <laughs> this could be fun. All the power, you know. But here's what God's doing is that God is going to work in your life and then sometimes back off. We don't go through life going through valley, 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 valley. Sometimes it feels like that, but we don't. God gives us a break sometimes from the valleys and lets us experience a hill or a mountain or a peak, doesn't he? The same way God's doing work in us, and sometimes he just takes a little bit of a break. And so in those times, it's dangerous because we love what it feels like when God's working in our life, intersecting with our life, but then in the moment that we feel like that's not really happening, we don't know what to do. And so the third way is that God is working through us. The first way is through the, through the valleys and things that are happening to us. The second way is things that are happening in us that we're permitting and we're allowing and we're surrendering to God. But the third way is that God is working through us. And this is where I think a lot of Christians don't do. Is that God wants to work through you to accomplish his kingdom purposes. One of the things that I love about this role that I'm in is that if I know that I've surrendered my heart to, to what God is teach, teaching me personally, if I know that I am preaching the message that I believe that God has laid on my heart for our congregation, and if I do it to the best of my ability to where I, I feel like I stayed focused, I felt the Holy Spirit's presence, and, and I did everything that I think that he wanted me to accomplish, I walk back off stage and you know what I feel? I feel his favor. There's a joy inside my heart because God just works through me. And there's no better feeling in the world than knowing that God's worked through you. But you don't have to be a pastor on a stage in order to experience that. You can experience God working through you in a one-on-one -on -one discipleship relationship. You can feel God working through you as you share your faith. Look, you want to make you want to feel incredible? Talk to someone about your faith and what God can do. You'll feel God's favor. You know why? Because you're designed to do just that. Christians, he's called you to activate in this way. He's called you to serve in your gift sets and your abilities. But he also can call you to serve in places that you don't even feel qualified. I think about Barbie Bajika, who's back now running a camera. Woo, we love Barbie. Barbie is a CEO of a bank locally. But yet she <laughs> is willingly serving on a camera. Let me tell you what. If you talk to Barbie, she'll say, I know nothing about camera. All of that looked crazy and scary to her and probably still does. But she's faithfully serving. Sometimes God will let you serve in your gifts and your abilities and take the things that you know. Maybe you're, you're great in education. You're great with kids. You're great with students. And you're great with, with guest services. And you're great with you know, all these different pieces. And God will use you in that way. And he'll work through you. And you feel God's favor. But sometimes he'll put you completely out of your comfort zone. But yet you still can be used by God. And it brings you great and incredible favor. How beautiful is that? Another way that God can use you is through sacrificial giving. Every time that you and I give, have you ever given sacrificially? I'm not saying even to church, but just to somebody. I tell you what, when, when you and I can learn to trust God in that way, it hurts to give that way. There's a pain associated with a sacrificial gift, but you feel God's favor and he's working through you. Folks, this is what I want for you. It doesn't just have to be, it doesn't just have to be when I go through the valley that I can feel this close to God. It can be when he's working actively in my life or when God is actively working through me. 
But in every one of those scenarios, there's something that is uniquely special about that, is that the God of the universe is close to you and working in you. Folks, that's, that is the joy of the Lord. Why would we want anything else? Notice I didn't say that it's all about your church attendance and going to a small group and reading your Bible. Those are religious rules. You can follow religious rules all day long, and they will leave you feeling like you're not growing. What makes you feel like you're growing is when the God of the universe is interacting with your life. And you want to read your Bible because it's, that's where that takes place. You want to come to church because that's where worship takes place and sacrificial giving takes place and serving takes place. You want to be in all these environments because that's the way that God works in our life. We can't just live off of the valley experiences and hope they're going to carry me to the next situation. We can't just work on the, the sanctification because sometimes God is going to move and back up and move and back up on what he's doing in our lives. But we can always find God always find God and letting him use us and work through us. But just like with the the valleys that you go through, the prescription is to abide hard and easy to understand, but hard to do. Yes. So that's the, so if you want to write down some key words in the NS area, the solution, the prescription is abide with God, draw close to him. He'll draw close to you. And the second way when God's working in us is that the key word there is surrender. Is that we have to be willing to say, God, what do you want to work on next, even if it scares us? That's what activates the sanctification transformation is surrender. Because God wants us to be willingly participating in what he's doing in us. And, th- and then lastly, through us. The key activating words, there's two actually. One is obedience and the other is courage. Write those down. For God to be, to God to work through me, I have to be obedient. That means when God says, share your faith, tell your story, or to serve, or to give, I have to be willing to to do it. I have to be obedient. Sometimes the issue is not the obedient side, it's the fear side. So you need to be courageous. You need to have the courage. Courage to have that conversation. Courage to begin a discipleship, mentoring relationship with someone. Courage to be a small group leader. Courage to lead teens in their small group or to work with kids or to participate in those ways. Courage to give sacrificially when you wonder, this, uh, this feels like a lot. Oh, but God will take care of it. Those three things, abide with God, surrender, obey, and have courage are all keys that will lead you to feeling like God of the universe is interacting with your life. Everything I just talked about here is very practical for the believers in the room. But for those of you that are watching online or in this room that don't have a relationship with God, this is not a seven steps for highly effective living kind of, relation, kind of, kind of message where you can just go apply this this afternoon. There is a key ingredient for us to have the, the pleasure or the joy of having the living God interacting with our lives, we have to have a relationship with him. And if you don't have a relationship with him, you're kind of starting from the wrong place. And so you've got to fix that first. You have to have a relationship with God, and it requires one of those words. God needs to do something in you, so what is the actuator? What, 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 acts, what uh, activates God working in us? That's surrender. And so the first thing you have to do is surrender your life to God. 
It is a good, easy prescription when I explain it to you, but it is difficult to do. It means that I have to give my life over to the care and keeping of a loving God and trust that he has a better interest for me and a better plan for me. We surrender to him, not because he's some fictitious thing or some idea, but that we believe that he is truly God and that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that I would have a mechanism, a way through Jesus to have a relationship with God. And so I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ, trusting that he, is, he will forgive me of my sins and he'll lead my life. We surrender our life to God through his son, Jesus Christ. In addition to that, though, when you place your faith and trust in him and you surrender your life to him, you have the promise that he'll forgive you of your sins. Everything shameful you've ever done, every one of your past regrets, whether it was in college or adulthood or last night, God will forgive you of your sins. And as you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And when you fail again, all you simply need to do is repent of that sin. You say, Lord, I am so sorry, not just apologizing, but literally changing your heart and the way you feel about that sin and changing direction. When we change our heart and change direction, God will forgive us of our sin. And lastly, he gives us a home eternal in heaven. (laughs) I know that you don't understand how valuable that is right now in the middle of this world, but it's a huge value. Because eternity is far longer than the time that we'll spend on this earth. Jesus tells us why we worry about the things of this earth when the things of eternal nature are so much more important. And so right now, your responsibility and my responsibility is to allow God to use us, work through us, to make sure as many people around us know and get that. And it requires you to be transparent. And it requires you to be a real person. And when you do that, God is going to use you and do things through you, and you'll feel his favor. You see how this is all connected together? I hope that somehow this has encouraged you, but also challenged you. For those that don't consider themselves a Christ follower, at the end of this message, I want to give you an opportunity to be able to know what it means to have a relationship with God. In just a moment, I'm going to move over to our keyboard God has laid on my heart a song that I want to share with you today. And in that final song, I want to encourage you to come forward for prayer. First, to our guests that aren't, wouldn't consider themselves followers of Christ, but want to make him, you want to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. Today's the day you can do that. You can simply walk this aisle today and talk to one of our elders or their wives that will be up front in just a moment as we sing this final song. Or you can text the word surrender to 97000. If, if coming down an aisle is not something you want to do, I don't want, to stand, I don't want anything to stand in your way to be able to know God. But if you come down today, we want to give you some resources, a new believer's Bible and some stuff to help you kind of have what's next in your walk with God. Huge stuff, big, important things. We'd love to be able to give this to you. So simply come forward and tell one of our elders or one of, his wife, one of their wives, I want to give my heart to God, but maybe I don't know how. Or maybe I've already surrendered today, but I just... I want to take my next step. We're here for you. But we're also down front and available to pray at the stairs or even praying in your seat while, we sing, while I sing this final song. But would you just, maybe you're going through a storm and you just, you feel like you don't know how to abide and you're scared. Be honest with God. Draw close to him. Because the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's already listening and he's already there. You just need to be aware of it. And secondly, Maybe it's time for you now to open up your hands and surrender something else in your life because it's been a while since God's done a work in you. The last time you can think about it, it's maybe been a couple years ago when God really did a great work in you, but now 
you stop looking for other places. Today may be a day that you just sit in your seat or come to the forward and come forward and pray and say, Lord, I'm ready to surrender. What's next? Where's the chisel going to go this time? What do we want to do? And maybe for you today, it's also an activation. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to have the courage to serve you. I want to be obedient to serve you. Tell me what it is that you would like me to do that you can work through me in a real and powerful way. Let me pray for you. And then we'll sing that final song and then we'll go home. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for allowing us to be in this place. Thank you for this message that I know, Lord, has so many different implications to so many people in the room from different seasons and chapters of our life. Thank you, God, for allowing me to be transparent. Even, Lord, I know I've kicked against you, kicked against the door of this message, not wanting to give it. But, Lord, I appreciate because now I feel your favor. I've accomplished what it is you've asked me to do. And, Lord, I pray that you would continue to strengthen my faith in the places that it wobbles and shakes sometimes. Thank you for the work that you're doing in all of our lives. May we all surrender ourselves to you in a special way. And Father, for those that need to hear that message today, whether to serve or to give or to activate their faith or to share their faith, I pray, God, that they would be willing to be obedient and have the courage to follow through. Thank you, God, for being with us in the midst of the hard valleys and the hard seasons. And I pray, Lord, that you would take this message and let it speak to the hearts and lives of those that are here today. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.